I'm Monica, for those of you who uh, don't know who I am. I'm very delighted and honoured to be here. Um, when I got the email from Wes inviting me to speak um, a few weeks ago, um, my first thought was, oh, amazing, an opportunity to proclaim God's goodness and provision and guidance to us as a family, which is what my heart and life was full of at that time. And then I thought, ooh, I'm not sure if I'll be able to prepare a talk in the next few weeks because I'm uh, finishing a job, moving country with children, sending my husband back to Spain, and children starting at new schools and starting a new job, and Christmas as well, uh, somewhere in the mix. Um, so I, I thought, I'm not sure. Then I read the verses. Now, if there's two things that have been very prominent in my life in 2018... It is running a race and suitcases. And this is exactly what this is all about. So I'm just going to read again. I'm just doing a small talk on um, the first two verses, and then Abby's going to follow later. So the first two verses are, I'm just going to read them again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So, in 2018, I ran my first and last marathon. Uh, So, that was, at the end of it, thank you. And thank you very much, by the way. Many of you were extremely generous in sponsorship to me, so thank you. That spurred me on, definitely. Um... When I finished it, my thought was, wow, that was amazing and horrific, uh, in equal measure, actually, probably. Now, when you're doing the marathon, you probably know, people shout your name, you must wear your name there, and you have this four or so hours of, uh, of people shouting your name. It's awesome. It's really, uh, that's amazing, having people shout your name for, for a few solid hours. Um, now, I knew that Poppy, who had travelled over from Spain with me to watch the marathon, was going to be there around kilometre, I can't remember, about 35, I think. So those couple of kilometres there, I was really running. I wanted to look good, you know, and uh, looking and hoping and persevering and excited to see her and my father. And and that was a real boost, seeing them, very emotional and, and a real spur on. Now, after I finished... A few friends texted me and said, about five friends texted and said, we watched you finish. I was like, pardon, what do you mean? You know, you you have to pay quite a lot of money or you get a special, special ticket if you get to the end line. They're like, yeah, we we watched you finish. How did you do that? So I didn't know this. I had no idea that, that this is what happened, that they have these cameras and you can watch four different screens and so you can look out for somebody. So I have these people unbelievably, sitting, watching, you know, sometimes two people watching two screens at each, looking out for me. And they watched me. Somebody even posted the little bit of me finishing on Facebook without my permission. And uh, uh, and so maybe more people watched that as well. So I watched it. When I finished the marathon, I jogged very slowly and looked very tired. And, uh, and, and I was like, well, if I'd known that you were going to be watching, I would have smiled and looked really triumphant and cheered and run a bit faster. But it didn't cross my mind that anybody that I knew would be watching me when I crossed the finish line. So 
if I had known, I would have done better. Okay. Now, the other thing that happened that some of you might be aware of is that Hugo, who's my husband, was tracking me. Now, I knew that I knew that he'd sort of every few kilometres sort of know where I was. Actually, on his tracker, he had a little person running round. So he knew, and was posting it to the world, um, that I was running quite well for the first 20 kilometres and then slowed down for the second 22 kilometres or whatever it is. Um, Again, if I had realised how much I was being watched, I think I might have done a bit better. But I, I thought I was slightly anonymous from people that knew me, so I didn't run now, as fast as perhaps I could. I'm not sure. So the lesson here, how does this relate to this? So last t- before Christmas, I think you were looking at the analogy of wearing armour, preparing yourself for battle. And here the analogy is running a race and keeping going like a marathon. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now this therefore, which comes at the beginning of this chapter, follows Hebrews 11, which is known as the Hall of Faith. So it lists all sorts of people from the Old Testament who, by faith, did amazing things. By faith, Abraham did all his things. Moses, Noah, Sarah, all sorts of people. And then it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, keep running the race. Now, theologians have various opinions about who this cloud of witnesses are. So some theologians say, it's Abraham and Noah and Moses and Sarah and all those people from chapter 11 watching you. Another theologian say, well, you are bearing witness to the people. People are watching you in your race of faith. And maybe that includes future generations as well, who will say, by faith, Rachel Stone prayed for many years for her husband. By faith, Lucy Reed lived a strong life of faith. By faith, Dave Parr got this vicarage up on a hill somewhere that I haven't seen yet. Uh, So... um, Maybe that's what will happen in the future. Whatever way you choose to look at it, you are being watched, cheered on, supported. Now, for me, because of running the marathon, I'm so struck by this because I don't want to get to the end of the race and say, oh, I should have done better. I want to get to the race smiling and overjoyed and for them to say, good and faithful servant, you ran the race. Now, this does lead on here to this, uh, the next bit where it says, throw off everything that hinders. Now, in the last few months, I've carried quite a lot of suitcases moving children to England or myself to England or family to England and yesterday stuff. And um, the key thing is getting the weight right. So normally it's like 23 kilograms for a big suitcase if that's what you paid for. So I think I'm quite good now at judging what a 23-kilogram suitcase is like. It's quite heavy. Can you imagine if I had run the London Marathon with a 23-kilogram suitcase? What I imagine if I were to do that is Hugo, who's my husband, by the way, shouting, Monica, put the suitcase down, leave the stuff behind, you don't need it, which is his general thing that he says to me in life (laughs) leave the stuff behind Um, and and maybe I would say I might need it 
I might need it. Now, what is in this suitcase? This passage is saying, throw off everything that hinders, slows you down, holds you back, the sin that so easily entangles. So I'll tell you some of the things that might be in my suitcase. The temptation to be a bit self-pitiful. Maybe a grudge against somebody. Maybe speaking harshly to people that I love. Maybe lacking faith. Not seeking God. Actually, lacking faith is a big one. And maybe I think, well, I can't quite let go. Maybe it's a relationship that's not fully surrendered to God. That you're not said, God, is this right in your eyes? So many things that we could have in our suitcase. The list is, goes on and on and on. That's just a few that I know I'm tempted by in, and, or have been tempted by in recent, recent history. It would be silly if I was trying to run the marathon well. It would be very silly to carry a suitcase, even if it was only five kilograms heavy. It would be a very silly thing to do. Actually, when I was preparing for the marathon, I spent quite a lot of time thinking about what I would wear, what shoes, what T-shirt. Should I carry anything? Should I carry a handful of jelly babies or not with the weight? Was it worth it? Would it help me? I spent quite a lot of time thinking about that. How much more should I be thinking about throwing off the sin for the race of life, for the race of faith? That was just for a few hours of my life. The race is my life. So in the last few days, which have been a bit stressful and and busy as we've moved here, actually meditating on these verses has really helped me because I might have been really tempted to speak harshly or crossly, and and I'm sure I probably did, as my four children here will testify, are my witnesses. But actually, I've had more discipline in saying it's a discipline isn't it to throw off the sin to say no I'm going to I'm going to run this race well so that's my challenge to you what's in your suitcase can you get rid of it don't just get rid of it throw it off and run away from it like Joseph did when he was fleeing Potiphar's wife so that will you run the race well so that when you get to the end and Jesus says welcome good and faithful servant He doesn't also say, what the heck were you carrying that suitcase for? It slowed you down. You could have done better. Hello. I'm talking to you tonight about fixing our eyes on Jesus, running the race of faith without growing weary or losing heart. But I want to say first that I find this really hard. And I grow weary and I lose heart all the time. And I can go a day without even giving a thought to God. In busy life, it's so easy to lose focus and purpose in God. This race we are running needs stamina, it needs time, effort and commitment. And while I slip and I fall down, I'm still running the race. So I want to ask you first, and answer in your heads, are you willing to run this race with me? Okay. So if we are on this race, we're going to need some energy. Luckily, I bought some with me. Or I did, until I realized, like, Tesco closes really, like, early on a Sunday. So I only have some Haribos. 
Does anyone want them? Yeah? Well, only Dave's getting the uh, physical energy, but luckily I also brought some spiritual energy. Ha, ha, ha. So, <laughs> let me give you some spiritual energy in the form of truth. So here is some truth to fuel your race. God made you. God has a purpose for you. God is acting in your life. He has plans for you wilder than your imagination. And Jesus died for you so that you'd never have to be separated from God. Therefore, we can say with complete confidence, we are free, we are forgiven, we are loved, cherished and adored. We have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. So not only has Jesus gone before us in this race, but he's also on the sidelines, cheering us on. He is behind us, picking us up if we fall. He is the energy, keeping us going. And he is at the finish line, ready to embrace us when we're done. We do not do this race alone. Just as an athlete's performance is a reflection of their team behind them, so our lives should be a reflection of Jesus the one behind it all. So why do we slip up? Why do I not think about God? Well, I think it can be one of two reasons, or or both. One reason could be that you are spiritually exhausted. What does that mean? Well, this is when you are doing everything perfectly. Perhaps you even appear like a gold-style Christian. You are going to church every week, You're reading your Bible, you are kind, patient, and loving. But it's coming from a place of duty instead of worship, which is really what it's all about. You are relying on your seemingly perfect routine instead of perfect God. And none of us are perfect. So this is exhausting. So that's what we'll call spiritual exhaustion. wrong page okay the second reason could be that you are spiritually hungry this is when you rely on the world to meet your needs instead of god you are seeking gratification in people in possessions in promotions in or an appearance and you're missing out on the relationship with god because you are too preoccupied with worshiping the world And while you're desperately trying to get more likes on your post, God is shouting, I love you. And while you're buying the latest jacket on ASOS because you've just got to have it, God is shouting, I love you. While you're at home group quoting all the right scriptures without even looking at your Bible, God is shouting, I love you. And while I'm at the gym trying to do more reps than the person next to me, God is shouting, I love you, and I'm not listening. I'm too preoccupied with listening to the people's opinions of me. Don't get me wrong. None of those things on their own are wrong. But it's just when they become louder than God's voice, then they become become things that take us down. This is what we'll call being spiritually hungry. So maybe you are spiritually exhausted, or maybe you're spiritually hungry, 
Or maybe you're running with no sweat at all. But if you are struggling, or when you do, I have a few things I found helpful to stay on track. So, if you're spiritually exhausted, relying on yourself to be perfect instead of God. Scrap your religious routine, temporarily. Miss out your Bible study or journaling, do something you love. Watch your favorite movie, read a good book, go on a walk. Make an effort to invite God into every part of your life, not just the part your routine allows for. Let the pressure of being perfect fall away. You can't be, so don't try. Only God can. Second, feed your soul. Have you sacrificed something in order to do the right thing that is actually really important to you? A night in? A night out? Do you want some time away from your family or your partner? Do you have a craving to see the sea? See it as a gift from God when you do. He knows you and knows what you need. And you may be resisting it. You don't need to feel guilty for enjoying life's joys. And hear this. God is perfect. You don't need to be. He uses your mess for good. As the character of Jesus says in a film called The Shack, I don't want slaves. I want friends. If you're feeling spiritually hungry, relying on the world instead of God. Number one, spend time with Jesus. I don't necessarily mean in silence with your Bible open. I mean really connect with him in whatever way that may be. Perhaps that is in Bible study. Or perhaps it's going on a run, playing football, or dancing around to Justin Bieber. I don't know. But I hope you do know. If not, find out how do you really connect with Jesus. And then do it. Second, spend time with him even when you have nothing to say and you really don't want to. This is real sacrifice. And just like in any relationship, sacrifice is a way of expressing the importance this has for you. And lastly, explore all aspects of God. As God is so complicated and vast, we can often miss aspects of him. He is king, protector, Friend, He is Father, Spirit, Son. He is Lion and Lamb. Perhaps you are seeing him just as a king and missing God the friend who does in fact care about the bargain you got down in Lidl. Or you are treating God like a wimpy parent, very loving but wimpy, that is actually also holy, divine deity who created the, walk, the, the ground you walk on. So get God out of a box if you have placed him in one. If you're spiritually hungry, spiritually feed yourself on all that God is offering you. So I'm just going to say the last few things, and I'm going to say it to your face. (laughs) God does not condemn you for struggling. And people, your um, cloud of witnesses, don't condemn you if you slip up and fall. Instead of relying on the world or yourself, rely on him. Because the energy he gives, his love, is infinite and completely available to you.
let him help you. Let him help you run this race. So then we can run this race without growing weary or losing heart because God is our way and our truth and our life.